This is Politicking with Curtis Schoon with special guest Jason Whitlock. Good morning, Jason Whitlock. How are you today? Awesome. It's an awesome Tuesday here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, there's a lot of big things going on with you, man. Um, uh, I, I know the news has been out already. I've tweeted it out. I'm sure you have and everybody else. But for people who may not be on our timeline, who just watch Politicking, what's going on with you? Oh, I finally revealed, you know, what's next for me professionally. Uh you know, I, I made the decision a while ago, but we were trying to put assets in place and uh, make sure that we have the studio facilities that up to par and up to standards. But anyway, I'm partnering uh, with The Blaze on a project for a, a digital TV show and a podcast called Fearless with Jason Whitlock. My, my guy from Speak For Yourself, or those of you that have been with me since Kansas City, since my radio days back in Kansas City, Uncle Jimmy, uh, as he was known on Speak For Yourself, Jimmy the Freak, as he was known in Kansas City, uh, <laughs> James Dodds, as his mama named him, uh, is going to work with me on it. Uh, we're going to eventually do two podcasts a day, uh, and I'll be back to writing and have a uh, writing vertical platform called Fearless as well uh, that I'm going to develop. And so uh, the podcast and stuff kicks off uh, officially July 6th. There is a podcast zero that we dropped today where it's basically just Uncle Jimmy interviewing me uh, about the project and, and what we're going to try to accomplish. But, uh, you know, I finally revealed what's next. And, you know, I'm excited about it. I think this is going to be a great opportunity to uh, impact the discussion uh, about American culture, black culture, sports, race, faith, politics, whatever. This, this podcast um, that you just mentioned, that you dropped today, where can the viewers go to see it? Uh, Apple Podcasts and basically any place podcasts are available, but I'm pushing, I guess, the Apple Podcast first. Oh, okay. All right. So you and Uncle Jimmy, huh? Y'all going to be yeah. knocking it out? That, that's good stuff, man. That That's your boy. <laughs> Look. That's my guy. Uh, he brings the comedic relief. You know, it comes from, and I was explaining this to Uncle Jimmy actually a couple of days ago. I think there are two groups of people that have let America down, mm -hmm. uh, ministers and comedians. Oh, wow. And, What's the correlation, uh, man? That ministers and comedians are supposed to be truth speakers in American culture. They have full freedom to say uncomfortable truths, things that other people aren't supposed to say, a comedian can say, and we laugh, and it helps us explore the truth. Comedians have been silenced or been, they're afraid to say uncomfortable truths. They all just crack the same joke now. Trump is the punchline to every joke. There is no other truth to expose other than I don't like Trump. And then ministers uh, 
have fallen in love with social media like everybody else and fallen in love with popularity rather than, you know, speaking some of the uncomfortable truths that are necessary. And so that's why the show is constructed in a way that, you know, I'm going to talk about my faith. Uh, I'm going to talk about sports and all the other things, but also comic relief and uncle Jimmy uh, is going to be a big part of the show because you know, I, I think that ministers and comedians have fallen down and don't do their job well. And so we're going to do it for them. Wow. Now, people already asked me, and I'm going to, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but um, what's going to happen with politicking? Uh, I would think not much other than it'll probably have to be a little tighter. You know, I don't think it's going to, yeah, I think last week we went two hours. Uh, we've traditionally gone about 90 minutes. We may have to cut it down to an hour, but mm-hmm. uh, and w- the times that we tape potentially could change, but uh, you know, it might be something that I, I would prefer to record on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. That works. Put it out on Monday or something like that. Uh, but we probably had to tighten it up a bit. Oh, that works. That works. I'm sure a lot of people who are who have come to to love the the platform are happy to hear that. You know. Um, also, uh, why? Because of your great impact over at Outkick. Because I remember at the Trump Hotel, I heard Clay say that you crashed the service. You're following when people came there. I heard that come out of his mouth, right? Why not do something solo? Uh, because I'm someone that believes in partnership and that there's power in, in partnership, particularly during this time. And um, I'm just not, I, I have a 50% ownership stake in what I'm doing with the Blaze. Oh, congratulations. And I think that that's enough for me at the moment. Uh, and, and that's substantially more than what your stake was at OutKick, correct? I, I didn't, I, I, don't, I don't see an upside in answering that question. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Well, well, for me, right, I'm just sitting here wondering because um, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I get tired of defending you, man. Not that you ask me to, not that you expect me to, right? But because we do this and, and people are aware of our friendship and what have you, I get a lot of shit behind the scenes about you, man. And when I defend you, I'm also defending myself. You know what I mean? So um, I I think like some people felt like you was down and out and that that you had no more options. And, and, you know, because they've been praying for your demise for a long time. You know what I mean? A lot of them. So and uh, your critics, by the way, not all the people. Let's be specific. And I think they, they figured you was out of options. So the big deal with, with OutKick and Fox, 
and all of that. Uh, you weren't a part of that situation, were you? I don't see the upside in answering that question. I'll say this, Kurt, I don't at my age, at 54, answering the accusations, allegations, point of view of the uninformed, mm -hmm. woefully uninformed, it just, it's a drain. It, 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 there's no upside to it. Gotcha. You, you can tell them the truth. You can, it doesn't matter. And uh, I'm just not at a point where I feel like, as a journalist, that I have anything to prove as a valuable resource in the media industry. I don't think I have anything to prove. Only someone really, really uninformed would think that, hey, Jason Whitlock's out of options. Because what you have to, <laughs> what you have to believe is Jason Whitlock's out of talent. And I'm not out of talent. That's that's in you know it's been America's history that if you have talent, you have options. And so now I've seen a lot of people with no talent other than their ability to kiss ass. They run out of options. And uh, so I just don't waste a lot of time trying to you know. Uh, prove, disprove the people with, you know, if people have well-intentioned questions or whatever, I'll answer them. But if you got some negative question with your rooting interest, uh, I, I, I can't worry about that. And I can't, I, I just, you'd have to be uninformed to think that, you know, I mean, really uninformed, I'm out of options because at the end of the, what you'd have to say is that I'm all, I can't get Jason Whitlock can't get out of bed and do for self. And so, you know, I've acquired some resources during my career. I, I could, you know, dig into my own pocket and finance what I want to do, and I have the talent or whatever. So it's just a it's a silly accusation. Listen, man, I, I might have been a little bit. Um, in front of myself, but I was I was hoping maybe we could do something together. You know, uh, what about the possibility possibility of us working together in some capacity in the future? Well, I think we're, I'm going to continue to support you in politicking. Well, uh, yeah, uh, well, I'm talking about some money, man. <laughs> this is YouTube. This shit is for free. <laughs> YouTube ain't for free if you know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, I, I get it that uh, you and I, I do think there's some possibilities. One, because I want you to be a part of what I'm going to do with Fearless. I want you to appear on that. And that as that's not some favor that I'm trying to do for you. That's as an asset and a resource for me on the show to have somebody that I find, you know, intelligent and who can keep pace with the conversation, you'd be a great asset to appear on my show. But, you know, in terms of, I, I see what you're doing with Schoon TV and I'm in support of it. Uh, you know, my, my thoughts is, you know, we're both alphas and at some point that would, you know, I, I'm not sure if two alphas can <laughs> uh, partner together comfortably. I understand. I understand. And, and, and for the record, um, 
I, I respect that we've had a lot of conversations off record that I won't get into detail here, but uh, the support is mutual. And, um, anything- and let's be honest, Schoon. I mean, let's be honest. If I, part- <laughs> if I partnered on Schoon TV, uh, I would probably snatch Asia from you and you'd never speak to me again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, look, look. <laughs> I saw, I saw, um, what's his name? Um, Clay is replacing Rush Limbaugh on radio over there. And I was wondering, do you think you would have been a good fit over there to take to fill those shoes had you stayed with Outkick? Replace Rush Limbaugh? Yeah, you and Clay. Cause he's doing it with a guy named Buck Sexton, I think, right now. And um, yeah, I, I, that's a yeah. big following, man. The, 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 is that part? Can I say that maybe you regret that part of it not being there? For the opportunity to partner with Clay on a radio show, no. To take Rush Limbaugh's spot, that's a big following, big shoes, man. Yeah, and it's 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 too partisan for me. Oh. And so okay. anybody that that has followed me and my work knows that I'm not a political partisan. I'll go wherever I think the truth is leading me at that time and place. And so, you know, it's for I had a buddy get upset because in a text thread, I cracked a joke on Kamala Harris and some of my other buddies did as well. And a dude got upset. And and I was like. Man, I used to make a living. Part of my platform, social media and writing columns was killing Sarah Palin. I couldn't stand Sarah Palin. And no one complained. And I've said, I used to, Palinites, and I just really just went after Sarah Palin for an extended, several years. And no one complained. No one thought... But in a texter, because I don't think I've said anything about Kamala Harris publicly, I, I don't think. Uh, in a te- I, you know, crack one little joke, and the joke wasn't even about her politics. It was about, we were joking about how uh, the dudes that she went to college with were all high-fiving, talking about, yeah, I tapped that, you know. <laughs> and- That's regular guy talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I, I just... But I say all that to say, I'm just not a political partisan. And Rush is so, and Rush is enormous talent, radio talent, enormous. Not bashing him or his show. The show showed support for a lot of my work. Uh, But I'm not a political partisan, and I got a different message that, uh, you know, probably didn't fit his audience. And so that, that was not an opportunity that I pursued. And, you know, I know the president of iHeart, Julie Talbot, well, and she offices a couple of blocks from where I live. And so if (laughs) if I wanted to pursue that, I would have. Uh, But I'm not really interested in, you know, it's just like Clay and the Buck Sex and Deer. I'm not interested in doing a 50-50 uh radio show with anybody got you got you got you you know um 
the thing that uh, I was really thinking about is now that you lined up with Blaze, and um, I think uh, Glenn Beck is is the owner of Blaze. No, Glenn Beck founded Blaze, but has since sold it or given control of Blaze to someone else. Still the biggest, most recognizable talent at the Blaze, but he's not part of the management or the team that I dealt with. Uh, are they, so Blaze is not um, a partisan outlet? Oh, Blaze is conservative, no question about it. Uh, but Blaze is, you're free to say whatever you think. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, like, to me, Rush Limbaugh was the leader of the Republican Party in the mm, meeting. That's thing. strong. Yeah, I, I think he was at the, and so I don't see the Blaze as the leader of the Republican Party. I see the Blaze as uh, wanting to be the media outlet for people that love God and love the country. And that makes them, in this definition, conservative. But, you know, based on what I feel like I've been led to believe and what I believe to be true, I'm going to be able to say whatever I think. Because, you know, and one of the first things I'll probably be saying is like, anybody, any of y'all that think Trump is the solution in 2024 or moving forward, y'all crazy. He's not the solution. And... Why? Why is that? Uh, because it's my belief that the only thing that can save America is a spiritual revolution, is a, is a return to faith. And so anybody carrying the solution, I believe, is going to be transparent in their faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not Trump. And I don't say that to demean him or to badmouth him, but I don't see Trump as any sort of beacon of spirituality. And uh, therefore, he's not the solution. Because if, you know, part of the column I wrote today uh, for The Blaze talking about me coming there is, you know, this whole cancel culture thing I think is misinterpreted that, you know, the right wing is being canceled or this is being canceled, that I believe America's faith in God is being canceled. Jesus is being canceled. And that if you have a true understanding of American history, it was our Judeo-Christian values that made this country great in combination with Black people pursuing freedom. And so you had Christian faith and the pursuit of freedom by black people. That's what made America live up to its best ideals and become uh, the greatest superpower we've seen in the history of the world. And I think our uh, adversaries globally and in internally realize that. And that's why there's such an attack on faith. And that's why uh, Twitter and Facebook are in control of American communication because they're trying to impose a secular worldview on America. 
there's a lot there that you just said. Uh, I'm a man of faith. However, it seems to be that people who don't have faith are dictating pub public policy through politics. If we just rely on faith and not include faith politics with faith, how do we combat these people? I just saw it in New York at the pri uh, private school, the Dalton School, the liberals are now, you know, and it's not just poor people because the Dalton School is a private school. You got to have money to be there. They want to teach six-year-old kids about masturbation in the name of sex, sexual education. So as a, as a Christian and a man of faith, is that something you're okay with? Absolutely not. So but... how do we combat this then? If we just abandon politics to the heathens? Well, don't put words into my mouth. Okay. <laughs> the only person that's used the word abandon is you. Okay. So I just used it now. And so I have not said abandon politics. But what my argument is, what's your priority? Our priority right now is politics and race and then faith, if faith at all. And I'm talking about Black people, but I'm talking about America as a whole as well. I get and it. So we all have leaned into our political identities and racial identities. Those are one and two, depending upon you know, who the person is. And I'm saying that your faith in God should be your number one identity and priority. I agree. That once you do that, then your politics may have no choice but to change. To be and in alignment you, with your beliefs, yes. Yes. And yes. so the things you are for and against will change if you first examine it through your spiritual God eyes. And so when someone says to me, hey, man, we, we want to teach masturbation in, in grade school, the first thing I think is like, wow, I don't think that's in alignment with what God, you know, that he would want to leave sexuality if it's going to be taught probably to the parents. They're most invested in that child. <laughs> they, I don't want to leave it to the government, the school system, taxpayers or whatever. I want Strangers. to empower, yeah, I want to empower the parents. And so that would be my first thought. And then I would object to the school board and the people trying to implement that program, like, man, that's inconsistent with my belief and core values as a person that believes in God or just as a person that believes in common sense. And 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 so I would work to fight that policy. But but again, because we've chosen political identity first, we then go, well, who supports this idea? Oh, the Democrats do it. I'm a Democrat. So I must support this. That's our thing. Or we go, and this is where Joe Biden and these guys have been correct. They've married blackness to a political ideology. And so for black people, we go, well, the Democrats support this. And as part of my blackness, I support Democrats. And so therefore, if they want to teach masturbation in school, this is a good thing. I'm in support of blackness and democratic policies by supporting them teaching masturbation in school. That's 
what I'm trying, it's just like, what are your priorities? What is your first, how do you, what's your first thought on how you evaluate the world? And if it's black or politics, I think it leads to a lot of immorality and a lot of satanic values. See, it sounds like you're trying to bring back traditional values because the black church in a lot of ways advocate and has become an apologist for some of the very things we're discussing here, the deviancy, degeneracy, and so on and so forth. You got, you got a preacher like Raphael Warnock, who was heading the Ebenezer Baptist Church that Martin Luther King once headed. And he is pro-LGBT and all these different things. And I'm almost certain that if you was to ask him about teaching kids masturbation, because it is the Democrat Party liberal line, he would go along with it. What, what happened to the Black church, in your opinion? I know you're not a theologian, but what, what, what happened? How did we get corrupted? How did the Black church become so politicized, become such tools of these agendas? I don't even want to say that it's political, because a lot of this stuff seems like it's unrelated to politics in the true sense. And we're now into this, this realm of social engineering. How did the Black church get co-opted, Jason? Uh, I can't remember. I got a guy I grew up with through high school that's a minister in Indianapolis. And I can remember three or four years ago, he walked me through some of the policies that changed uh, in the aftermath of Dr. King and Malcolm X and how there was, and I get, I'm going to follow up on this because I'm going to call the dude and like next week we may have to bring it up and I'll have to set the record straight. But there were financial incentives put in place. Of course there was. <laughs> that You don't made, have to follow that up. That's yeah. exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that made the black church pivot and all churches pivot. And all the politicians church. pivot. Yeah, but, but it, as it relates specifically to the church, there were laws and policies that changed and there were financial incentives put in place that made sure that there would never be another Martin Luther King or Malcolm X again. People coming from the church with their morality leading the way. Now they've done it and exercised it in a way that now the, the churches are just little outposts Black churches in particular, are outposts for the Democratic Party. And if they stray from that, I think some of their money or taxes, there's something There was, I'm telling you, this was a financially rigged way to keep these guys, move them away from their morality and move them into the political sphere more. And that's why Warnock is at King's Church serving the Democratic Party. He's not there to serve God. His, he answers to the Democratic Party. And that's why there's no immoral policy that the Democrats could install that he couldn't justify. 
because again, I'm I'm not trying to be offensive, but just as a minister, you can't be as a minister. You can't be for same sex marriage. Not, not as a Christian minister, if you have any understanding of the Bible, you just, you can't be. He is. He's a Democrat. And so this is what I'm saying. We have prioritized mistakenly because there's this fool's goal of, man, if we just become more liberal, if America just adopts more of these democratic policies, things are going to be so great for black people. There's not one shred of proof of that. Now, there's plenty of proof that if black people become more self-responsible and lean into the values taught in the church, things will improve for us. There is hundreds of years of proof of that. Trust the science, trust the data, it's all there. But we've, we've been, and I'm sorry, we're having a spiritual conversation, the only word- oh, I, I love it, man, let's play. go. We, this but, is what we do like, here. No, I know, but I, what I'm saying, I'm about to cuss. We've been mind fucked to a level that we believe, like, oh my God, man, if we, if we just, if they just give us more free shit, things are going to improve for us. And we don't have to fix our family structure. We don't have to, we don't have to obey any of these tenets, biblical principles that we were raised with. We just need the government to give us more stuff. And we're good. And uh, we don't know that that's what we're thinking. We don't really truly process it, but that's what's happened. And, you know, it, it's, I'm doing the thing at the blaze so I can have these exact types of conversations. And I'm not expecting everybody to get it or believe what I'm saying instantly or even ever. I just want them to hear the thoughts so that it's in the back of their heads. And so that when they turn on the TV and hear people shoving the race narrative down their throat, they might for a second pause and be like, does this make sense? And what's their real agenda? What are they really trying to accomplish? And it's like, I think with a bull, you wave a red flag in front of them or whatever, and it distracts mm -hmm. them and takes them off. And that's what they keep doing. They keep waving race in front of us, and it distracts us and makes us ignore any of the things we were taught in the church, any of the things we truly believe. We ignore them because, oh, if we don't, racism is going to get us, and, and these conservative white people are going to do God knows what. It's... It's a game. It's an effective one that they have have played. But, you know, I, look, the, the whole conversation or the whole platform isn't going to be a discussion of this, but it will be a part of the discussion. And it's stuff that I just want people to hear. And, yeah. you know, it, you don't have to accept it, but you just need to have your thoughts challenged uh, because that's resistance is how you get stronger and if there's a group out there trying to eliminate all resistance to our thoughts and just everybody just going to this group thing just go along to get along as <laughs> Kwame says yes. uh go make sure no one ever tweets you a negative thing over Twitter no one ever says anything bad about you on Facebook 
just adopt these beliefs and people are all good with it. It's interesting that you brought up how we go along, get along. I think, and this may be a broad generalization, that Black people have been going along to get along the whole time we've been in this country, man. That's what I really, that's how I see it. Um, Black people are afraid, Jason. They don't admit it. A lot of the things that they say comes from a place of fear, even when it seems like it's offensive to other groups. But when I talk to Black people, what I detect is a lot of fear. And that fear makes Black people, generally speaking, compliant. And they may they may not necessarily agree with certain things, but they don't know how they're going to make it unless they go along with certain things. And that's why I said we've been the go-along, get-along gang for a long time. They know that these things aren't right or in accordance with what they were taught in the past growing up, what their grandmothers believed in and so on and so forth. They can see the change in the generations. Like my generation has a different set of values from my son's generations, but he can still see it in me. And I can see the values that my parents' generation had. So we have living examples of the change that is going on. But I think that fear and need are driving the acceptance of this change. Now, hold for one second. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Go ahead, sir. Yes. You please. Go along. We've been going along, getting along forever. You think that's true of Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement? They were just going along? Yeah, they were, re- they were receiving instruction. Um, they knew what they had to do to continue getting the support that they were getting and getting the access that they were getting. If Dr. King was really the architect of his own movement, I don't think he would have gotten access to um, LBJ, JFK, or anybody. Um, the minute he decided to pivot and do something on his own, well, he got killed. So yes, absolutely. I think we've been think, going along, getting along for a very long time from the beginning. Do you think Dr. King and that generation and the civil rights movement were controlled by fear? Mm. Yeah, I do. So they standing out on that Edmund Pettus bridge, knowing they're going to get their ass beat, but they controlled by fear. Listen, they know they're not going to get killed. See? They do? Yeah, they knew that. They bombed churches and killed kids. But not when, when they were on that bridge. Not when they were on that bridge. We talking about the bridge, right? They knew they weren't going to get killed on that bridge. They knew they had to endure pain. And the pain, I believe that the civil rights era is the genesis of this empowerment through victimhood. Because that's how they got power they actually used the suffering that was visual with the dogs and the water hose to gain sympathy and change public consensus towards the black issues. Those things had to happen because had they not happened, I don't know if it would have created enough of a buzz. It it was just, look, man. Curtis, I, I think that it wasn't sympathy that empowered them it was the exposing of the depravity of their adversaries that 
won them rights and freedoms and they put their adversaries on a global stage and said, look at these clowns. L look at these depraved, animalistic people. And that's why what has been happening the last five years in America you is You don't so... see the similarity. No, yeah, I do. But I'm gonna okay. tell you the similarities I see are <laughs> the videos that are coming out now are look at the depravity and the animalistic and the immoral behavior of these looters, rioters. Uh, you know, there's just a stream, there's just a laundry list of videos showing, they just had one out last week of, uh, or this week of uh, black girls in Chicago twerking on the top of police cars. Yeah, uh, I, I see those videos. But... And, and I just, so I, I think, yeah, the, the, we are being set up and exposed on a global stage. And look, people are saying, look I, at I our disagree. I don't disagree. Look at but, our, so yeah, I, I think Dr. King's strategy is actually now being used against us. You see, go, let's go back to my statement. The civil rights movement was the genesis of empowerment through victimhood. When, when they show those photos of black people, Derek Chauvin with his knee on George Floyd's neck, that is the equivalent of Bull Connor letting his dogs and water hoses loose on black people in this era, which is why our current president said the George Floyd tragedy was greater than Martin Luther King's death. The parallels, whether we want to accept it or not, are there as far as in presentation. As far as I, in I think that I think that you can get caught up in the popularity of a George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery or whomever these little isolated incidents are. Is that what you think Joe Biden did? He got caught up in the popularity? I don't think so. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is... I'm not caught up in the popularity. I think the overwhelming majority of people, the over 95, 96% of people, regardless of what they say over social media, regardless of what they say on a TV or radio show, they know that that George Floyd stuff is an aberration, that it's not indicative of how the police operate. I don't care what they say on a rap song. I don't care. They're, they're just lying. And that everybody knows because we've all, you know, it's like LeBron James. We can't even go outside. We're hunted. <laughs> everybody knows that's a joke because everybody goes outside every day and they're not running around in fear. And, you know, as many times I've been pulled over for speeding, you know, I'm not controlled by fear. I pull over, get a guy my information, and I keep it moving. And so those are just little isolated incidents. It's a little game. The media is playing. Everybody knows that's bullshit. But what they, what there is a steady stream of, and people, it's just like, when 80% of your kids is growing up, in single parent homes and everybody looks 
at the dysfunction that causes. Because if, if, if being white was the magic cure for everything. It's not. Do you think you take them 80 percent of kids that's growing up with no daddy in the home and change their skin to white, but change no other circumstance. They're poor. They're in a violent zip code. They're in a school system that's poor, blah, blah, blah. But and they got no daddy or and they may not even have a mama. They maybe have a grandmama or auntie raising them, but their skin is white. The outcomes will be no different. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. I agree. And so I think that there, the system, social media, the matrix is like I like to call it, has rigged up the pervasiveness of dishonesty and has eliminated truth. But people still know there's truth out there. They just know you can't get it in corporate media, you can't get it over social media. It's all been illegalized, but the truth is still out there. And so the truth is that there's a group of people that 80% of their kids are growing up in single parent homes. And that's an incredible problem that has to be fixed or there will be no positive results. All of this critical race theory, all of this victimhood over social media, none of that fixes that. Not, it, it doesn't even remotely address it. Um, I, go I, ahead. I agree with, with a lot, of, with most of what you said. Um, the media has distorted reality as it pertains to victimhood in the black community. However, the media is acting in concert with TV, films, everything, and corporations that are don donating the exorbitant sums to fight these injustices, right? Even if you don't see it, and most people don't, because for the most part, they are in an aberration, as you said. Even if you don't see it, if you keep hearing people talking about it, you're going to think, you know what, it must be real. If you have the president of the United States comparing George Floyd's death, saying it's greater than Dr. King's assassination or something to that effect, you, even though you've never seen a cop brutalize anyone, you're sitting there and you're like, it must be so. Because it's, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. People are being programmed to believe this, right? And, and what, what I'm... What I'm what I'm guessing, well, what I know is that on your show, on Blaze, you're going to do your part to counter these distortions, correct? Yeah, I'm going to do my point. I'm going to do my part to have an honest conversation. And I think it's going to taste, look, and sound different than all the dishonest conversations. And I think that people are attracted to truth. They're just not getting it. There's a limited supply of truth. And the left has done a great job of coloring truth. Well, you can only accept truth from a certain color person, or if we label that person racist or an Uncle Tom, you can ignore any truth that they espouse. And I think I'm gonna build something 
that is going to make it very difficult just to dismiss what we're saying. And it's why, again, people, at, man, why you fuck with Curtis Schoon? And mm-hmm. it, it's like, because I want to sh- shed some light on someone who comes from a different background than me, someone that society may want to dismiss because his resume doesn't check all the right boxes. Uh, But I just want people exposed to your thoughts and your resume and background because they'll eventually connect the dots and, and see that it's a cross section of us who believe a lot of the same things and have a, an approach to life that actually leads to sustainability, self-respect, uh, independence, uh, happiness. And so Uncle Jimmy, same thing, comes from a whole different background than me, you know, got some baby mamas and all, all, you know, <laughs> all of that. But we think a lot alike. And, you know, as, as he has adopted a more healthy approach to life, things have changed in his life in a very good way, dramatically. And I just want to expose people to that. And then they can draw their own conclusions. And, and I want, just like, we're disagreeing today. I don't think we're disagreeing. Yeah, well, we're disagreeing on some things, but we're doing it in a way where it's like crystal clear, like, no, these dudes respect each other. And even though they may disagree on some things, don't mean they can't be friends. We've got people right now believing, man, if you don't agree with me on- You're my enemy. You're my enemy. I can't even engage with you. Uh, I'm afraid of you. That's really unhealthy. I, I think so. I believe that what you're doing is bringing clarity to that distortion that's pervasive in the media. That's what you're going to be doing with Fearless over at at Blaze. You've described it a different way. That's just how I sum it up, right? You're going to bring your clarity. I believe that I, too, am bringing clarity to the distortion with what I do at SchoonTV.com. I think we share these things. We, we share, we have this in common. We may go about it differently, but ultimately we're, we're sort of fighting the same fight. However, Jason, there's a lot of people, man, who've been told the, the lie for so long, they no longer know what the truth is. And those people are tougher to reach. So there are as many truth tellers as we can get out there who can articulate the truth, substantiate it with it with examples and what have you, educate people. I think it's needed and it's positive. So yes, I will always, always support Jason Whitlock in that endeavor and anything you need me to do, or excuse me, want me to do, because we know you don't need nothing. Jason's (laughs) (laughs) self-sufficient. Anything you want me to do, I'm here for it, man. But but moving right along, man, uh, this... I saw something interesting and it made me think 
Tucker Carlson, a lot of people naturally assume he's a racist because he's on Fox, because he's a conservative or whatever. I know nothing about Tucker, but I do know that this the clip that I saw where he had Candace Owens on there, someone else who gets a lot of reactions out of people. I don't, I don't get into any of that. Like Malcolm said, I love the truth no matter who tell it, see? And that's what we have to get back to. So Tucker was discussing medical Jim Crow. And I thought about it because the, he said there were sections in Yankee Stadium where they segregated non-vaccinated people from vaccinated people. And uh, without proof of vaccination, you can't go to certain restaurants. But, uh, it, but a lot of different things going on. And the reason why it resonated with me is because one, I'm not vaccinated. Two, I'm a season ticket holder for the Wizards. And although no one told me that I couldn't go to the games, I will be honest and say, I have no intentions of going back. But what, do you agree with what Tucker presented? And if so, what are the dangers in this? Where does it well, end? And this again is why I'm doing what I'm doing and why the conversations we keep having are important is, you know, Tucker Carlson has been saying a lot of things about COVID that I think need to be heard by black people and they're not because we've been programmed in, <laughs> he's on Fox News, he's, talk, he's a racist. Anything that comes out of his mouth must be against black people. And so I saw the monologue that you're talking about and it was mind blowing. And, and it's something like black people need to hear because he pointed out that the corporate media, MSNBC, CNN, all the media is promoting the myth that white men, particularly Trump supporting white men, aren't getting the vaccine. And he says that they're just promoting it. It's like, oh, white men ain't getting the vaccine and Trump supporters ain't getting the vaccine and blah, blah, blah. They've racialized, again, they racialize everything. But what's the real goal? Because he, he pointed to a study that was recently released that actually showed who is and isn't getting the vaccine. And you know who the number one leader is in not getting the, the vaccine? Black men. Black men. Of course. Black men. We, by, and it ain't close. We're the ones not getting the vaccine. And so when these policies, if they're ever implemented, that the left is trying to implement of, if you don't have a vaccine, you can't do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. You know who that's going to impact the most? Black men. And so that's why he's calling it medical Jim Crow. We're going to be excluded from doing things that the rest of society will have access to do and be done because we've chosen not to get vaccinated. 
And but the media is lying to you and telling you, well, it's the white man, it's Trump supporters. And they're doing this intentionally, is what Tucker Carlson is alleging, and I agree with. They're doing they're miseducating you intentionally so that you don't think to go get vaccinated or that you when these policies get unleashed that limit your freedom here in America, you won't see it for the racist bullshit that it is. No different than in the 60s when they started the welfare state and all that other stuff, and you thought it was a great thing for you, and it has led to the destruction of our family. This, The left, Democrats, are doing what they've always done. They've just repackaged it, and we keep going for it. And so I hope people either go look it up if they don't fully understand what we're describing. But bottom line, if they implement these this vaccine segregation stuff and start limiting the freedoms of people who don't get vaccinated, black men are going to be the hardest hit by those policies. These policies the Democrats are supporting and they know it they know we're going to be hit hardest by it. It's racism, man. And it's being done by the Democrats. And I know we've been programmed to only, it's gotta be a conservative for it to be racist. It's gotta be a Republican for it to be racist. Anything Democrats do, uh, Joe Biden's crime bill in 94, that was an accident, man. He didn't mean to incarcerate all them black people. It was an accident. Anything that they do, it's always <laughs> that damn welfare check that destroyed the black family. That was an accident. These fucking accidents keep happening and they keep coming from the same people. Maybe it's not an accident. Maybe it's a plan and a plot. That's a good point. That's a real good point. Why do you think black men are reluctant to get the vaccine? Uh, because I think we're justifiably uh, suspicious of vaccines going on. We've been experimented on enough. And this is an experimental vaccine. And I don't blame us for being skeptical of it. I think it's justified. Uh, and, you know, I, I think a lot of smart people are skeptical of the vaccine. Of all and, persuasions, correct? Yes, without question. And look, I said off the rip, y'all can catch me in 2022, maybe with the vaccine. 23, maybe you got a good, but I'm not going to be a lab rat for anybody. And I've told people straight up, if I die, of COVID, don't blame the government, don't blame nobody, blame me for being overweight. D don't throw no pity parties, oh my God, you know, this, it wasn't racism, it was, it was obesity if I die of COVID. It's not racism, it's obesity. So I'm just not for these pity parties. I'm making a calculated decision on my part that uh, my immune system is strong enough to handle COVID. Most people's are. Uh, the death rate from COVID is really, really low. 
less than one percent. Yeah, and we've probably just gone through a, a tough flu season because again, we've eliminated the flu. We never even talk about the flu anymore now. So I, I, you know, probably get us kicked off YouTube for not I, being supportive of the vaccine. But listen, uh, as a black man who hasn't been vaccinated, I'll share my reasons. Um, one, I believe that um, I'm healthy and my immune system is pretty strong. In fact, I know it is. But most importantly, the speed with which the vaccine was developed, I have some reservations. As you said, maybe a couple of years from now, I don't know it, but I don't want to be one of the first responders, and I don't mean that in the best sense of the word. You know, I want to, I have a wait-and-see attitude. The reason why I won't go back to the Wizards games, whether they tell me I can come or not, is because I take I take the virus seriously. I don't really want to be around crowds unless I have to be. So I'm taking my own precautions to protect myself and others. I think that is my right. I don't like this forced vaccination and it's not being done outright just yet, but the pressure is on for everybody to take it. Um, the country's being divided along people who wear masks and don't wear masks. Well, now the restrictions on masks are being limited, I mean lifted. And now it's vaccinated against non-vaccinated. And how did we get to this place that a medical decision has separated the community. And I mean, the United States community, the, the public, if you've been vaccinated, you should be protected. Why are you worrying about people who haven't been vaccinated? That is on them, as you said, Jason, and I'm saying it myself. If I get sick and something happens to me, it is a result of my own choices. And I'm good with that. If you took the vaccine, you protected yourself, I assume. Yesterday I saw where 10,000 people who were fully vaccinated still contracted COVID. And I mean, there were some deaths and some people, and I'm not saying that's a reason not to get it. I'm just using it to show that no matter what you do, there is nothing that's 100% foolproof. People have died from the vaccine. Not a lot, statistically, they, they say the number's minuscule, but I don't wanna be in that number. If I feel like I'm healthy, I'll take my chances. My mom is 76, she took the vaccine. I didn't try to talk her out of it. She's older, she wanted to do it, and she watches CNN, of course she wanted to do it. You know, but but that's her choice, though. I think we all have a choice, and we deserve the right to move on that choice. We are not moved by fear. How, how, how we got here, Curtis, is everything has been politicized. Yes, absolutely. So, like, everything. And again, this is what I'm talking about. If your every thought is driven by your political view, this is how you create division. 
And or if your every thought is driven by race, if race explains everything, you know what? Uh, they didn't put as much bacon on my double cheeseburger as the guy sitting next to me. Well, that must be because of racism. I mean, we, we, everything right now is being evaluated through whether it's racist or not racist or through does it support Republicans or Democrats. And it's an unhealthy worldview that leads to division. The thing that had unified America, even when there was great disunity in America, even during slavery, the thing that helped us get to the point where we ended slavery was our Christian Judeo values, our Judeo-Christian values. And America has turned into a secular land it doesn't have the unification of being a Christian society or a religious society. The, the, the thing that tethered us together and made us do courageous things to combat unfairness and sin is being taken away from America and replaced with politics and race. And it's funny, People will make fun of me or make fun of people for worshiping Jesus. But no, if you worship a celebrity, if you run out and defend LeBron James at all costs, if anytime anybody says anything disrespectful to LeBron James, you're there to jump to his defense and you worship and idolize LeBron James or any of these celebrities, that's okay. It, it's in people's human nature to want to worship or believe in something. And so even if you're an atheist, why would you not understand that human beings are going to worship and believe in something? Jesus Christ is better than LeBron James. If I'm going to worship and believe in something and think they stand for good and cape up and defend somebody. I would rather choose Jesus than, than Chrissy Teigen, John Legend, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Andrew Cuomo, any politician, Trump, Obama. I'd rather choose Jesus over all of them. So y'all have a religion of politics and race, and there's a few little uh, celebrity influencers that y'all worship. Have at it. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it leads to the kind of conclusions and outcomes and progress that faith in God has, but have at it. You know, you mentioned Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. In New York, he seems to be a big proponent of this medical Jim Crow. This is the same guy who put COVID patients Today. in the nursing homes and, and, and so many elderly died unnecessarily. Now there's, there's a thing called the Excelsior Pass in New York where you can have your vaccine papers attached to some QR code encrypted in a bracelet on your wrist. So when you go to venues, you can show that you've been vaccinated, which seems like a HIPAA violation to me, but you know, 
Why do you have to disclose your medical records to anyone? And, and if, if the people accept this, isn't there a danger now that you would have to prove that you don't have tuberculosis, hepatitis, HIV? It's a slippery slope. We're almost like the frog in the pot of boiling water, but we don't realize we're cooking because the, the temperature is being turned up slowly. And, and people have to understand that their fear, their fear of COVID, of dying, they cannot allow that to overrule common sense to the point that they would forfeit their liberties and freedom and give other people access to their most intimate personal records. This is already happening online with when we do searches and websites we visit and our smartphones. When does it stop? And why is it only, well, I'm not going to say only, why is it seemingly one party pushing all of this totalitarian nonsense? Uh, because it's where this was always headed over the last 60 to 70 years. Uh, and so, look, <clears throat> and I'm, you don't have to share my beliefs. I just want you to understand the logic of my beliefs and just understand that these beliefs that you reject played a role in American greatness. So I don't care what you say, you love this country, you have no intention of leaving it, you couldn't get you out of here with a stick of dynamite. But when you remove faith, you impose fear because, and look, I, I'm not trying to say, someone broke in here right now and put a gun to my head, I would likely show some fear. I think, that I would show less fear than some atheists. Because I sincerely believe that my faith, I'll be good on the other side. A dude shoots me in the head and I die, I'm gonna be good on the other side. I, I, I don't fear death, I don't believe, as much as non-believers who have, who think they're, you know, it ends and blah, blah, blah. And so, People with faith, religious faith, believe they're going to be taken care of in the afterlife. And so they're less fearful of death. And so they have, they have I don't know if it's 1%, a half of 1%, or 90%, but there is a little spectrum of fear that I think people of faith have less of. And so when you start making the whole country secular, atheist, they fear is going to ramp up and they and and fear becomes a virtue that's why everybody's putting their mask on in avatar look how scared of covid i am i got a mask on in my twitter avatar and it's a virtue to show your fear and the religion of non-belief and of politics and of Th those are religions that have replaced Christianity and other 
longer established religions that have served humanity relatively well. You can point to some things and say, oh, well, spirituality or Christianity justified X, Y, and Z. And that, that, that's all, because anything can be used for a negative purpose. Water is essential to life, but they can also use it to waterboard you and take your life or punish you or torture you. And so that just for all, they misuse Christianity and justify, well, anything can be misused, including water. So I, I just, I say all that to say that fear is in control. Fear has been turned into a positive and a virtue we wear our fear publicly, and that's why they want stamps on your hand or whatever Cuomo's supporting, putting people still running around wearing a mask outdoors when it, it, the CDC and everybody's done told you, man, these masks ain't doing nothing. But if you walk around and demonstrate your fear, you will be applauded and celebrated over social media and other places. And, and <clears throat> it's just a way... They honestly, and one of the things they loved about it is like they, they could look at people, oh, he doesn't have a mask on. He must not be a Democrat. We hate him. He's a terrible person. It's just, a, it's all, fear is a tool for division and chaos. And we have a lot of division and a lot of chaos in America. Speaking of division, the, the statistics show that black men are the least likely to get the vaccine. But why are black women so compliant with getting vaccinated? I don't know the exact stat on that. I don't know if if that's true. I, I'm I don't think they're getting the vaccine. I'm speculating. I don't think they're getting the vaccine at a higher rate than white women or Asian women. But maybe I'm wrong. No, I I, I don't know in comparison to white women or Asian women. But I do know they're getting the vaccine more than us black men. Why do you think that is? Uh, probably they have more access. They are doing better than black men, probably got more cars, more uh, economic stability than black men. Perhaps <laughs> their so jobs required. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. so. Maybe yeah. part of the reason why a lot of black men are getting it is because of what black male unemployment potentially. If uh, you're sitting at home and not going to be around people, is there an urgency to get the vaccine? Are you in a work environment where people are frowning on you if you don't have the vaccine? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I can't, I would only have, I can only speculate on what's going on there. But what I noticed with Democrat talking points is that when they speak about black people, it's almost as, as if they're talking about kids, children. We don't have access to the internet. Uh, we don't have ID. We, 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 I, I really don't we don't know have accountants or lawyers. I think Biden said yeah, we can't start businesses. Look, you started look, a business, Curtis. Did you have a lawyer and an accountant? I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. Look, Biden quote: 
young black entrepreneurs are just as capable of succeeding given the chance as white entrepreneurs are, but they don't have lawyers. They don't have accountants. I read that quote and does, does Joe Biden really know black people? I, I, I you know. My father did not graduate high school and he had an accountant for the Masterpiece Lounge. And he had a lawyer. I mean, it, it's, my father didn't graduate high school. He's a street dude. It's the shit's comical, man, what they hey, think of us. Why, why do they think we're that stupid? I, I, I don't understand. I think they think it because we think we're that stupid. Or, or Jason, don't negate this possibility. They need to think that we're stupid to feel smart about themselves. You see, it goes both ways. Some of us do buy into the inferiority complex thing. I, that That's a given. But I think in order for some people to feel superior, it is necessary for them to project inferiority on the people they feel superior to. They have to get you to buy into that bullshit. I don't think that's the white liberal part, though. I think that is more the redneck, racist. He, 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 he props himself up by downing black people. What white liberals do, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is they appoint themselves God. When you don't believe in God, you have to appoint someone as God. And they Ooh. are the controllers, manipulators, masters of the universe. And uh, they believe they are the salvation of black people. And many black people believe they are, they are our salvation. Far more than any spiritual deity. Uh, and so we look to them as our saviors and they treat us as people who need to be saved. That's what I think you're hearing from Joe Biden. Yeah. You know, I'm still here. I'm thinking about what you just said about the rednecks and so on and so forth. I think you call good money on that one, Jason. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the ball out of the park. Yes, you did. Look. <laughs> but anyway, man, today, this was an abbreviated version of politicking. Uh, we're going to have to start shortening it up anyway, because you're going to be busy. Uh, much success to you and the Blaze. You know, I'm here. I'm a supporter. I'll promote your platform like I promote mine. I think the more of us out there doing what we do, the better for everyone, us and them, you know, and, um, and thank you for that. Q&A exclusive that I'll be releasing later on today on SchoolTV.com. I hope you'll be releasing it sooner than later. Before, okay, it'll sooner. It'll be released before this, was, this airs, actually. Okay, yes. Yeah. Thank you for the Q&A. It might be up now. I did give them instructions to run it as soon as possible. You know what I mean? So anyway, man, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure working with you, and I look forward to a long working relationship with you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Carter. All right. SchoonTV.com is now live. Become a VIP member to my website for all access to exclusive media. Subscribe to my YouTube channel for updates on new episodes.